Okay, we're continuing our series that we call Engage this morning. Um, we've been in this for several weeks, and it's, we're just trying to take seriously God's call for us to be intentionally engaged in our faith, intentionally engaged. And we're talking about the five core practices of what it means to be engaged with Him. And really, they're the five central practices to me of what it means to follow Jesus as somebody who loves Him and wants to know Him better and walk with Him. These are just five things that a follower of Jesus simply does. Um, and so the challenge for all of us is for us to be fully engaged disciples of Him. Um, probably most of you got one of these. We gave them out the first few weeks, but if, if you're new and don't have one, we have postcards for this that you can keep in your Bible just to remind you of the five disciplines. I've got some up here if you want to see me after. There's also um, some in the back. Um, but three weeks ago, we hit the first practice of engagement. Do you guys remember the, what that was? They all start with a G. And the second letters are, what was the first one? To grow, right, to grow in our relationship with God, to walk with Him. And then two weeks ago, we hit the second one, starts with a G, then an A. What was that one? Yeah, to gather, to be a part, a serious part of the body. We gather large and small in authentic community. And then today, we're going to hit the third one, and it is found in First Peter chapter 4. So I would like for you to turn there. We're going to be reading verses 10 and 11. And would you stand while we read his word, and you can just read along in your Bible and follow me. I'm reading from the NIV. And here's what God says through Peter to us Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever, and God's people said to that, amen. All right, you may be seated. This is the word of the Lord. Um, here's that text on the screen, um, and I just want to briefly go over it. You're going to see three things in this. You're going to see a command that's given. You're going to see two examples of the command. And then the third thing we're going to see is Peter's going to give us the motivation for the command. So first is the command, and it's in verse 10, where Peter says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. So the command is really simple, to serve others. Um, in a minute, we're going to see to serve the body. And again, this is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. Serving is not optional for somebody who follows Jesus. And to whom is the command given? I mean, look at the first few words, each of you. In Greek, that's one word, and I wish they would have translated it a little bit better because in Greek, it's each and every, each and every. It's a really strong word. So each and every one of us is commanded to serve. Um, that means everybody here, no exceptions, no exceptions. And then Peter tells us that we're to use our gifts, he says, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I preached on this topic two years ago about the topic of stewardship. Can I read for you the definition of stewardship from that? So a steward is a person who has been entrusted with gifts and abilities and who's been given the responsibility to manage those gifts and abilities according to the owner's vision, values, and desires. Good stewardship, then, is the careful and responsible management of the things which have been entrusted to one's care. 
And what Peter specifically says, our gifts and our abilities, which include our time and our energy, they are all gifts from God. And I am to serve people with those gifts with a steward's mindset. And a steward's mindset is, is that I am being intentional in serving and in using my gifts for him. Intentionality. And then in verse 11, he gives two examples of this. Paul in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 talks about a lot of ways we can serve. Um, Peter just mentions two. He kind of has two big categories, speaking and serving. So look at verse 11. He says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. I could do more with those two things this morning, but, but I'm not going to. I want to get to the motivation, which is the rest of verse 11. And the motivation is pretty clear. So that we serve as stewards, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. That's our motivation. There can be a lot of motivations to serve, but nothing is more supreme than a motivation that I serve and steward the gifts He gave me for His fame, for His glory, so the spotlight shines on Him so that He is the one who gets the applause. That's the primary reason that I should be serving. And I've kind of thought about that, like how does that work? And to me, one of the things we're going to see in a minute, that God by His very nature is a servant, and so when I serve, I am reflecting well on my heavenly Father, and He gets praise and honor through that. So, a very short but powerful text, right? And in this text, to me, here's what Peter's doing. He's calling us out of the bleachers and onto the playing field. That's what this text is calling me to. Peter is specifically asking us to get engaged through service, through service. And that brings us to our third practice, and we've we got to use a G word, right? And we call it gifts. Each and every one of us, without exception, without exception, using the gifts and abilities God gave me, and as a steward, I use them to serve others. And I do this because I want him to be famous in all things. I want him to be the one that gets the applause. So that's what Peter's calling us to. You know, this call to service, it's really important to God. I'm not surprised this is here and another text we're going to look at. And here's how I know, because first and foremost, God by his very nature is a servant. And I know that by looking at Jesus, who's the ultimate revelation of the Father. Service was important to Jesus. It was important as a teaching, in his teaching. I could show you multiple places where he speaks to servanthood, but I wanted to show you one. In Matthew 20, 26, Jesus said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your, what? Must be your servant. And Jesus embodied service in his lifestyle. The classic text is Mark 10, 45, where Jesus says this, I did not come to be served, but I came to, to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And servanthood, any, when you look at his life, it epitomizes everything about his life, especially to me when you get to the end of his life. On the night before he died, the night that he was arrested, he meets with his 12 followers for that last supper, and he washes their feet, something that only the household servant did in those days. He took up that role of servanthood. And after doing that in John 13, 5, here's what he said to them. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Again, a command to serve. And then ultimately, I think his servant lifestyle is seen in the fact that he went to the cross for my sins, that he gave everything, fully everything for me. 
in service to me, that he did what Isaiah 53 had talked about, which was he had prophesied the great suffering servant who would pay for the price of my sin. So Jesus embodied this in everything. Paul understood that servanthood stood at the center of his life and what it meant to follow him. In Philippians 4, here's what Paul writes about Jesus, the one who by nature was God. He writes this in Philippians 2, 7, that Jesus made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. And in verse 5, right above that, he says, we should have the same mentality, the same attitude that Christ Jesus had towards each other. So Jesus placed such a high priority on service, and if it was the core at who he was, should it not be at the core of who I am? Should it not be at the core of who I am? Um, how many, in my, growing up in my family, we ate pancakes every Saturday morning. Anybody else have the Saturday morning pancake tradition? I'm curious. See a few heads nodding. Um, there's a story of a mother one time who on Saturday morning was making pancakes. And while she was making them, her two boys, Tom and Sam, started to argue as to who would get the first pancake. Children never do that, do they? I mean, how unusual. So they started arguing. She thought, this is a moment, a spiritual moment. I can speak spiritual truth in them. She said, boys, Jesus was a servant. And if Jesus were here, what Jesus would say is, is you get to have the first pancake. And she noticed Tom especially, his eyes got really big, and she's like, Tom got it. And then Tom turned to his brother Sam, and he said, hey, I tell you what, Sam, this morning, you be Jesus. (laughs) You get to be Jesus. (laughs) right? I mean, that's our nature. But seriously, Jesus is our model. He's our model in this. In 1 John 2, 6, he wrote, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Should live their lives as Jesus did. That's why God commands us in Galatians 5, 13 to serve one another, to serve one another. You know, why, why serve this body? I mean, just because of that, it's his body. He, if you are part of this place, this family, God has brought us here intentionally, and he's knit us together as a family, and as mysterious as it may seem, he calls us his body, okay? That's what he calls this place is his body. Um, and I want you to hear what the Bible says about my role in the body from Romans 12 and Ephesians 4. And again, this is the word of God. This is, I didn't write any of this stuff, okay? So here's what Paul writes in Romans 4, 12, 4 to 5. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. We belong to each other. And then in Ephesians 4, it says, Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, he gave evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for what? For works of for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, so that we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him the whole body, it is joined and held together by every supporting ligament. That's those parts again, right? Every supporting ligament grows and builds itself in love as each part does its work, as each part does its work. I mean, just like in 1 Peter, I don't know, but to me, the words that stand out on that are those words each and every. Anytime you're reading about the body of Christ and it's talking about service, it's emphasizing we each have a part. Each of us should be using our gifts and abilities to serve the body. 
because we're part of one body, and it's Christ's body, and we belong to each other, and we all have a special place and a special function that He has given to us, and we should all be doing our work. So I want you to know the body needs you, each and every one of you, and you need the body, right? I mean, don't you feel that in your gut, that you need the body? Anytime you talk about this gifts and serving, there's always people, I think, who think like, I'm kind of insignificant. I don't have much to offer. Like, what can I do? I'm a small part. But I want you to know, I think you know this, and probably a lot of you could stand up and give stories, but sometimes the smallest parts of your body actually have the most impact on your body. Is that right? If you had asked me six months ago the impact that just one vertebrae getting broken could have on your whole body, oh my, I wouldn't have known until I experienced it. Anybody here ever have plantar fasciitis? I think I'm saying it right. Where, where that, the ligament that attaches to your heel bone, at that point, it gets inflamed and sore. And I mean, it gets so painful. Walk, much less running. Walking is hard to do. Like just that one point can so affect your whole body. Or the smallest bones in your body, they're found in your inner ear. And if one of those gets broken or dislodged or something, I mean, I don't know that you dislodge them, but gets affected negatively, you, you get vertigo and lose your ability to have balance. The smallest parts of our body affect all of us, right? So there really is no insignificant part of any body, of any body. All parts matter. Each and every one of us matters. It doesn't matter how small you think you are, how significant, that we need everybody functioning as a part of the body, playing a part. And I think we'd all agree that an unhealthy body is a body where some of the parts do not function properly, right, or don't function at all. That's what, that would be the definition of an unhealthy body. A number of people who do surveys on the state of the church in America, Barna and Tom Rayner, the, the two main ones, have noticed the unhealth of a lot of churches in the U.S. And their research has found that on the backside of COVID, the backside of COVID, service in most American churches dropped 50 to 75%. 50 to 75%. I don't know why, but for some reason, this value of service got lost by a lot of people who follow Jesus through COVID. And they've come out the other side, and it, it's, it's not something that seems important, but I want you to know it is central to what it means to follow Jesus because it's central to him. And Jordan, I said this a month ago. When we introduced this whole series, we talked about drift, and I want to reiterate it, that at 12th, we don't want to be a statistic here, okay? Let the other churches be statistics. We want to be a place that's fully engaged with Jesus. We're committed to him, and we're following him, including being engaged in service. We're engaged with God, we're engaged in the community, and we're engaged in using our gifts to serve the body with intentionality. That's the kind of body we want to be. So we all need to serve for the sake of the body. But I also want you to know, you need to serve for the sake of your own soul. For the sake of your own soul. Let me explain. I don't know about you, but I know the drift of my heart. When we talked about drift, that when I drift, my heart tends to drift towards selfishness and self-centeredness. That's where that residual sin nature takes me, is towards that. I tend to drift towards a focus on me. That's where drift takes me. That's where I go. And I want you to know there is no practice that better combats and goes against that drift to self-centeredness than service. Because in service, I have to get outside of myself and I have to focus on other people. So it's really good for my soul when I serve because it helps keep me from that self-centeredness that, 
my sin nature wants to go to um, all the time. I want to show you a quote by James K.A. Smith, this idea of how important service is. And I, again, in my own walk with God, service is such a catalyst in my faith that when I serve, I'm more catalyzed towards God. James K.A. Smith said this. I think it's a profound quote. He said, spiritual practices are not just something we do, but they're practices that do something to us. Service changes me. It gets me out of that me orientation, right? But not only that, that counteracting that bent towards self, service impacts me, as I've thought about it, in four other ways, probably more. But there's four things I've thought about. One, um, it helps me to get to know others in the body better. Number two, service draws me closer to God and his heart. Three, service allows me to invest in eternity. And the fourth one is, is service keeps me from drift and spiritual stagnation. So it does a lot to me. First, it helps me get to know others in the body. And I think we all know this, right? Anytime you do anything with a group, as a team, you're functioning for, towards a mission or a joint cause, something you're working on towards get, toward, together, you get to know people in that context more deeply than you know in any other context. Is that right? How many of you have been on a short-term mission trip anywhere? You've been with a group for a week somewhere, and in that time, don't you really profoundly get to know the people that you're working with? Um, the, the rooted small groups we're doing, one of the things I love about it is their experiences connected to it. And about halfway through, you have a serve experience. And our group had met for like two years before that. But even when we did that serve experience, not just that one, we did Salvation Army. You remember that one time, um, Steve? I'm not sure if you, uh, most of our group attended, I don't know who was there, but we went to Salvation Army one day. In those two service opportunities, you learn more about the people you're with in serving in ways that you don't, even when you're meeting and doing Bible study and praying together. I think we all know that, right? That you get to know people more deeply. It also draws me more into the heart of God. Um, when my father was dying, I served him in ways I had never served anybody. And if you've had an, an aging parent, you've experienced that, right? You do things that you never th thought you would do in service. And do you know why I did that? It never bothered me. I did, it all flowed out of love. Because when you love somebody, you serve them, Right? It's only natural. And if you love God, it is natural that we want to serve him. That's a natural outflow of a love for him. And if his heart is a heart of service, and if my heart is going to get connected with his and be close to his, I have to be serving with him, or else I'm not connected to him very well. You know, if I want to stand beside him and I want to follow him, I just want to tell you, God is always moving. Jesus said that the Father is always at work. He's always moving towards somebody or towards some place to serve. And if I'm going to follow him, guess what that means for me? That if I'm going to join him, I need to be moving with him towards people and places that need service. Chris Tomlin knew this when he wrote that really cool song that I think we're going to sing next week. And I'm not going to sing it for your sake, okay? This is my service to you today. <laughs> Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you. Who you love, I'll love. How you serve, I'll serve. If my life I lose, I will follow you. I will follow you. That's what it means to draw near to God. Service is essential to that. I think the third thing, it not only helps me get to know people in the body better, it draws me closer to the heart of God, but it also allows me to invest in eternity, to invest in eternity. 
Um, several years ago, I shared with you the three great needs of the human heart that God hardwired into all of us is the need to believe, to belong, and to become. To believe is we all are hardwired to worship somebody or something. Um, we're intended to worship God. We're all hardwired to belong. We want to know and be known. We want to love and be loved. So I call in a community. But we're also hardwired to become. Our first two practices of engagement actually are connected to our need to believe and to belong. And service and the next two after that fall under our need to become. And here's what the need to become is. The need that God built into us to make an impact. To live for something larger than me. To, to give my life for something significant. And is there anything more important, larger and more significant than God and his kingdom for me to give myself to, to become for? Nothing more important, right? Nothing more important. So when I serve, when I serve God, when I serve this body, I actually get to have an, an eternal impact. And I'm telling you, when you serve and you're up close to people, you see God at work in ways you don't if you're not serving. And not only that, you get to feel God work through you, which is like, the I'm telling you, it's the most profound feeling when you see God use you in some way to help either somebody come to know him or help somebody to grow to become more like him. There's nothing more profound than that. There's no deeper satisfaction that comes from that. That's why John Piper wrote, there's nothing more thrilling, more joyful, more meaningful, more satisfying than to find our niche in the eternal unfolding of God's glory. I like that quote. Finally, so it helps me get to know others better. Well, one, it counteracts my self-centeredness. Helps me get to know others better. Helps me draw near to the heart of God. I get to invest in eternity, which I'm hardwired to do. And then finally, service helps to keep me from spiritual drift and stagnation. So let me illustrate how this happens. This summer, Pat and I were in Colorado and got to walk along a stream. I love, I love that. I mean, if you go to Colorado, right, it's the mountains, it's getting in streams and all of that. Walking along a stream, crystal clear, to hear the gurgle of the stream, how clear it is, you're out in nature and all that. So we're walking along, and we hit this point as we were walking, like something smelled really bad. And I'm like, what is that? I'm like, there must be something dead up here in the bushes or something. And as we got a little closer, we realized it wasn't something dead, but it was actually stagnant water is what it was. Um, next to the stream was this pool of motionless water. It was murky, it was dark, it was uh, brackish, it was like, it stunk the high heaven, right? It had this film, this slime on the top of it, and it smelled horrible. It smelled horrible. So why was that? Well, because it was stagnant, right? And how did it become stagnant? Because in that pool, there was no movement. The river, you can see, the stream is right behind it. There's no movement. The water just sat there. It had nowhere to go. There was no flow through. That pool had become a dead end, so to speak, right? Lots of, so, somehow, water coming into it, but no water going out of it. It was getting input, but it was getting no output. And that's the definition of stagnation, is I can take a lot in, but if I'm not giving out in any way, you will and I will become stagnant. We're designed by God to be channels of his blessing. The blessing can flow into us and out of us. We're not designed to be a terminal that we just take things in and it stops with us. That's not how we're designed. And service is one of those outputs. And if you don't serve, you're going to become just like that pool. You'll become stagnant. You will become a spiritual dead end. And you're going to drift towards self-centeredness and selfishness. And in some ways, uh, I don't know, you might end up stinking. I'm not sure. But 
So I just want you to know, we need to serve the body for the body's sake, for the sake of God and his kingdom, but we need to serve for our own soul's sake. Our soul needs service. Our soul needs it. So practice three of engagement is gifts. We honor Jesus by being a contributing member of the family. That's a really, to parents, that's a really important phrase, right? We tell our kids all the time, hey, you don't just, you know, just shack up and live here, right? We want our children to be contributing members to the family, right? Doing chores and all of that. So we honor Jesus by being contributing members of the, this family, by serving this body because it's his body. And we want to honor him by doing that, by serving his bride, by stewarding the gifts and abilities he gave me to serve people here to his glory. And in the words of Peter, not just some of us, but each and every one of us. Each and every one. Okay, I've got a couple of friends here this morning who to me um, really embody this value and practice of service. So I want to have Samuel and Ian come up and join me on stage. We're going to chat for a minute. So if Brother Samuel and Ian would come up, I would appreciate it. And that mic is there this time. In first service, I noticed your chair was, maybe it was Samuel who did it. Your chair was kind of a little further over that way. Like, I haven't become stagnant, have I? Like, like smelling kind of like that. <laughs> you don't think so? Thank you. You're good. That's why you're up here, because you're such a good guy. Okay, this is, this is Samuel, and it's not just Samuel. This is Brother Samuel, okay? Can you all say, hi, Brother Samuel? Hi, Brother Samuel. And this is hi, Ian, just Ian, like I'm just Garen. <laughs> so, can, can you guys say hi to Ian? Okay. Appreciate having you guys up here. And the reason I have you up here, and we talked the other day, is I see this DNA of service, and it's in your DNA. I see it. I value it. I really appreciate it. Tell me, why is service so important to you? Why is that so much an important part of you following Jesus? Samuel, I'm going to let you start. Oh, man, I start this time. I know. I've got to throw you one curveball. Yeah. So the reason service is important to me is because it's, important to God. So if it's important to God, I want it to be important to me, it should be important to me, or it is important to me, like it should fall under one of those. And so, um, yeah, if it's in God's word, I want to do it. If it's important to Jesus, it's important to me. And also, I forgot to say this uh, yeah. first service. I yeah, do it. It's really good. Uh, but like when I live my life and I go through my life and I make choices and, and whatnot, at the end of my life, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's how I want to live my life. I don't want to hear, like, why do you call me Lord, Lord? I don't know you. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And yeah, so, that's powerful. And how about you? Why is it important to you? Why is it such a part of who you are? Yeah, um, I think that uh, we're all called to uh, live with God, right? We're all called to be dependent on God. Um, without God, we're, we're nothing. Um, and uh, I think it's powerful if, if God calls us to service, right, to, to live into that, to die to ourselves um, and live into uh, the service that God calls us to do. It's not naturally um, wired in us to, to serve anyone but ourselves, um, and I think uh, that it's really powerful um, to take up that call of service that God calls us to do. Yeah, that's really awesome. I like that die to self part. 
That's, uh, did you come up with that all by yourself? <laughs> That's from Jesus, right? Jesus said that, so um, <laughs> just make sure. Um, you know, I talked about we're designed, we're hardwired to become, to serve, to make an impact, and when we do that, we actually flourish, right? We flourish. What are some ways, I'm curious, how have you found that in serving, like you, the, the, how that has really helped you flourish, to, how's that come back to you, to bless you? Ian, I'm going to let you jump in first this time. Okay. Uh, so I think um, seeing growth not only in myself but in others as I serve um, is just something beautiful uh, that I, I think um, is, is not as surface level but a really deep impact that has um, happened in my life over the past few years as I've learned to serve more and more. Um, and I, I think um, that the most beautiful thing uh, that, that I've witnessed from that is a transformation of, of people, um, a transformation of, of minds, a transformation of souls. Um, and I think that can only come from service because um, that's uh, not what we're, we're wired to do, as, as I talked about. And um, yeah, so I, I, I think that's the most, most beautiful thing that can come out of yeah. service. I know you help with pioneers and you've, actually, you've seen God like work on children's hearts and lives through your service, right? Mm -hmm. That's pretty powerful, huh? Yeah, very powerful. Samuel, how about you? How have, how have you been blessed through that through service? Yeah, I can think of two things. Uh, one is gifts, and I'll get to that in a second. But the other is um, when you serve somebody, you uh, like you die to yourself, like Ian said, or like Jesus said. Uh, you get out of yourself and start thinking of others. So I know that I tend to uh, just be like introspective like I just look into myself and I can spiral because that brings me down and there's a lot of you know junk in my life that I feel like I have to address or or whatever um, and I can get bogged down by that and there's just this like unending spiral but if you you know leave that on the side and just you know trust that Jesus is gonna work you know through that and in that and whatnot uh, that gives you the opportunity to you know put that away and then Focus on somebody else's needs. So now that cycle is broken. I'm not thinking about myself all the time. I'm now I'm thinking about somebody else, and I can serve them in that way. And so I, one of the reasons I like services is it pulls you out of yourself, and it gets you focused on somebody else. And then the gifts thing, um, the reason service is really awesome is because there's so many different opportunities that you can uh, use the gifts that God has designed you with. Um, whether they're strengths of yours or maybe there's an area where like it's a weakness but you can grow in that um, there's just all kinds of ways that you can exercise um, yeah God's goodness and God's gifts that he's placed in you and if you don't serve you don't you'll, like you'll miss out on those things you'll miss out on seeing your strengths like flourish or to to miss out on like being weak in some way but having Christ grow you in that to fill like a certain need. So. Yeah, we talked the other day, we talked about this, um, that, and then I, maybe I am, I'm serving in an area and I'm seeing somebody in that area who's like really gifted at that and how much that like challenges you and it even helps elevate that in your own heart and like you're like, you, maybe you won't get to their level but you're like, Lord, I really wanna be like that, right? I remember several times our small group was up here, COVID, and we would come down and see in Pioneers, see you guys and Ian, your enthusiasm, like every time, like I want to be like Ian, like I want to have that kind of enthusiasm and service. Because when you see other people serve, it does that to you. 
And we've all experienced that, that rabbit hole of getting stuck in introspection, right? Where we failed, we've messed up, and we can just start going down, 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 inward. And I'm, I mean, we, we talked about that. I'm like that. When I get that way, I've learned the quickest way for me to get out of that funk is for me to find somebody to serve, to get my mind out of being in here and get it onto other people. So, okay, one last thing. If you were to give a challenge, if there's somebody here who's like, I'm not serving right now, I'm not you know, using my abilities in this body, if you were to give them a challenge, Samuel, I'll let you go first. What, what would your challenge be? Okay, so um, to me, there's like two ingredients that make up service. So if you're going to serve, you need these two things. And the, uh, the two are willingness and intentionality. So willingness just means like if we go back to the concept of just dying to yourself, um, like maybe there's an area that you know of that needs to be filled, but Maybe it's like undesirable or it goes unnoticed or something like that. There's reasons why you wouldn't want to or nobody would want to. Um, dying to yourself means that you put those like reasons aside. You willingly step in to that role because you see the need. And the important thing is that the need gets filled. Um, so I'd say willingness is really uh, like a critical aspect of service. Uh, and then the intentionality. So to me, intentionality means like, uh, there's a lot of decisions and decision-making, and, and you would want to be intentional when you make decisions. Like, you don't just want to wander through life and just haphazardly go through life. You want to, like, sit down and, like, count the cost and be aware of the impact that decisions that you make are going to have. And to me, that word uh, encapsulates uh, intentionality. And so just being intentional, like, seeing that a need needs to be filled figuring out how it's going to be filled, and then, um, yeah, just stepping into it, even if it's going to cost you or even if it's not fun or whatever. It, like any negative thing, you over, overlook that because to you it's just important that the service gets done. Yeah. Ian, how about you? Um, yeah, I think like... In, in your intentionality, you want to ask yourself some really intentional questions um, on, on, on why you're doing things. Uh, and uh, I think that requires a humility, right? Coming to it with a humility. Because um, truly serving um, involves humility. You don't want to just uh, hold the door because you're trying to impress someone, you know? Um, or or, or do, a, do a service project because you, um, you want to... Uh, make yourself feel better. Um, that's thinking of yourself rather than, than other people, and that's not true service. Um, and so I think the questions um, that, that uh, I try to ask myself, um, and I think that are really good questions on getting to the bottom of why you're truly serving, um, are, <laughs> why am I truly serving? Um, and then, uh, like, um, who am I serving, right? Um, I, th I think uh, you can serve yourself really easily, but... Um, What's, what's even better is, is serving a God who's, who's perfectly good, right? Um, and that expresses true love. Um, and so asking yourself those questions and then being honest with yourself, I think is going to be really important um, to value service and, and truly serve in the way that it should be, um, should be done. Yeah, there, so when Ian touched on humility, it made me think, uh, like the first part of what he said was... Uh, like, it doesn't matter who's watching, right? So, and to me, that also kind of goes with the willingness. Like, it's not about, like, there's a need and, like, 
um, I'll get attention for this need or I'll be seen as like somebody who's super awesome or super helpful or whatever. Like it's, it's all about filling the need and um, not only is it about, it's not about people like watching you. What it's really about is like the Lord knows your heart. So he'll like motive or, or intentionality. Again, that goes back to the, that act of the ingredients for service, but yeah. the Lord knows your heart and yeah. the motives behind like, why you serve or, or why you're wanting to step into that role. And so, yeah, yeah. when Ian yep. said that, it just made me think of the willingness and intentional side of that too. Yeah, like on Saturday night, if I'm setting up chairs and nobody sees that, but I'm doing it for the Lord and he sees, so. All right, very good, guys. They did a great job. Can we give them some applause? Thanks so much, guys. All right, let's, uh, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. One of my favorite quotes is from Teddy Roosevelt, and he said, it's not the critic who counts. It's not the one who points out how the strong man stumbled or how the doer of deeds might have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred with sweat and dust and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, and spins himself in a worthy cause, who, if he wins, knows the triumph of high achievement, and who, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. So here's my challenge, 12th. If you're not in the game, get in the game. Get in the game. Serve, step out of the bleachers, get on the field of play because we need you as a body and because you need to serve just for your own soul and to glorify him. So my challenge this morning to all of us, and I don't know where everybody is, but is to put your yes to serving on the table. Put your yes to serving on the table. You may not know exactly how, if you're not doing it yet, you may not know how or why or what, what place um, to do it, but I want you to put your yes on the table. Um, we're going to give you, in the very near future, we're going to give you an opportunity to know better of ways that you can serve in this body, so that if you put your yes on the table today, that you have a way to step into that. Um, and you may not have it all figured out yet, but that's just what we're asking, that intention, that, the, will, the willingness, right? The willingness, Lord, I'm willing and we're going to give you some chance for intentionality later. But don't sit on the sidelines any longer. So I'm curious, how is God speaking to you this morning? He's probably speaking to all of us in different ways. Specifically, if you, to, if you were to lay your life beside 1 Peter 4, 10, and 11, if you were to lay your life beside that, are you living a life of being engaged in the body by serving? You lay your life beside that. So I'm just curious, how is God speaking to you this morning? What's he asking you to do? Some of us are involved in serving, and we're not asking those people to take on another serving role. We'd rather you do one thing well and stay healthy, right? That's what we want. But my guess is there are people here this morning that are not serving. So 
Is God challenging you this morning to put that yes on the table? And that's my invitation, is to live more in the life of God by serving God with love, with the people I love, for the sake of the kingdom that I love. Because 12, we are better together, and we need each other. We're better together. All right, next week, I want you to stand. We're going to end with a prayer. But just want to tell you this, next week we're going to continue the Engage series, and we have something really special and important for you next week um, that we're very excited about. I cannot let the cat out of the bag of what we're going to do. We, we need to kind of work, keep our cards close to our vest, but I really want to challenge you to be here. Um, the only thing I'll say about next week that's part of the surprise we have for you is Krispy Kreme Donuts. That's all I'm going to say is Krispy Kreme Donuts, okay? But I really challenge you to be here next week. We're going to do something I think really important. So would you please join me in prayer, in praying this prayer? Teach us, Lord, to serve you as you deserve to give and not to count the cost, to fight and not to heed the wounds, to toil and not to seek for rest, to labor and not to ask for any reward save that of knowing that we do your will. We do your will. And we pray that in the name of Jesus and God's people said, Amen. So, Father, make us that kind of people. You are a servant in your heart by your very nature. Make us a serving people. Um, Lord, may we give you glory and honor by being a body that, that is just amazing in how much we all play our role and our part. We use our gifts and abilities for the sake of the body. And so only you can make us that way. We, just, we take your word, all the things that have been said, we lay them at your feet. Only you can work in hearts. But make us that kind of people. And we pray in the name of Jesus, who epitomized servanthood, we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, 12th, you are sent.